You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. That's 855-212-6536. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancel fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Yes, indeedy do. You are tuned into tomorrow. I am Dave Graveline. I am Chris Graveline. And joining us, part of our team gathered around to help you. We've got Horatio, Orosmo, Kim, Nosomi, Beth. It's all about answering your questions, solving your digital dilemmas. And we hope that you call in and win stuff by participating on the program. Man, and we got some really cool stuff to share with you these days, too. So if you've ever wanted to call in, ask a question, help another listener, maybe share some tech rage, don't worry. We've got the bleep button ready if necessary. Whatever the case, maybe even share your favorite app these days and why. Not just, oh, my favorite app is Into Tomorrow. Okay, thanks. We know that. But why do you like, and it doesn't have to be our app, whatever favorite app you have. Just call in and participate and join us. Meantime, visit us at intotomorrow.com. Some tech news and commentary. And Victor, all the way up in North Pole, Alaska, is waiting. SpaceX's latest Starship prototype launched this past Tuesday, soaring miles above its South Texas facilities in a successful flight demonstration before exploding during its landing attempt. Yeah. Now, this is the second failed landing in a row after a previous prototype, the SN8, launched and failed to stick the landing back in December. This week's launch demo follows weeks of tension between SpaceX and the FAA, which has to approve test launches like this one. During its high-altitude test launch with the SN8 two months ago, the company apparently violated its FAA launch license. Uh-oh. Now, this triggered an investigation that held up this SN9 flight and, of course, frustrated SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, who seems to get easily frustrated anyway. Yeah, I know, but still, <laughs> I mean, the guy's doing amazing things. But I think the problem is that they keep doing it in Texas. They need to bring their test launches here, all of them, in Florida. This because we have the cape and available and ready and, and everything will work perfectly. Not that right. it always has. I'm just saying. Yeah, but that we have in, that. How'd that work in 1986? No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> let's not go there. But speaking of which, uh, you know, there have been all kinds of, of issues involving space and whatnot. Like Houston, we have a problem. Uh, Sirius XM said last week that XM or SXM7, I guess it is, the pricey satellite that it launched into outer space in mid-December was damaged. About three weeks after it began orbiting around the Earth, 
The company says the full extent of the damage isn't yet known. Right. Yet another reason, I think, to not pay for satellite radio, especially if you like music, because as we've said all along, it is so compressed. Yeah, when, when it first came out years ago, it was better, I think, sounding than FM radio. Well, yeah. Because wait. they had no content and they had all this bandwidth right. they were able to do. Now they've crammed so much on there. I took advantage of the free trial recently in my car again to listen to it, and I just I couldn't turn it off fast enough. Oh, I know. The sound quality is so horrible. Well, when you think your MP3s are good, and by the way, they are very compressed too, but far, far better than satellite radio channels because they're cramming so much onto a little bit of bandwidth and now onto a satellite that doesn't even work, yeah. uh, that got damaged. How does a satellite get damaged? Bumps into another satellite? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're not saying. But since mid-December, they're not able to use it. So now, of course, they got to cram more on their existing satellites. It's just too bizarre. Victor in North Pole, Alaska, listens on News Radio 970 KFBX. Hello, Victor. I have Internet access and I have uh, the gigabit speed, and I just recently purchased a Netgear wireless mesh that gives me better coverage throughout my whole house. But the Internet provider now saying that I'm using too much bandwidth, and just this month alone they say I've used over 5 terabytes, and I can't figure out what is using. I haven't added any other new hardware other than my router. Now, they suggest maybe it's a, a virus, which I've run virus scans, or somebody using my internet, which I've changed everything when I put the new router in. I'm trying to find out if there's some app or some program that I can use that can tell me what device is using the most bandwidth. Any help would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, Victor, that's a lot of bandwidth, but your router will do it for you. The first thing we should mention is that you may need to upgrade its firmware since older versions didn't have this feature. Now, after you do that, go into the settings and turn on something called Dynamic QoS, or Dynamic Quality of Service. Yeah, the idea is that the router analyzes what devices are using more bandwidth and tries to prioritize the things you need, which is nice, but what we want is the reporting functionality that comes with it. If you let it run for a while and go back to the settings, you'll find a table listed in each of your devices, and next to that, you'll see how much bandwidth they've been using. And we've got more for you in our show notes at intotomorrow.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. It's our 26th year on the air. We hope you didn't miss any of our 26th year covering CES the last three weeks' worth of solid wall-to-wall, if you will, coverage 
of the Consumer Electronics Show. So many guests, so many cool new products to show you on the radio. Be sure and come by intotomorrow.com and check out the video of all of our radio interviews so you can see these cool new products and much more to come. Our next guest is with a digital publication that covers Internet culture and technology. Been doing it for some time, and they do a great job. Tech reporter with Mashable is Rachel Krause. Rachel, welcome into tomorrow. Thanks for spending a few minutes and coming on with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure. You guys are always writing fun things. And, of course, being fellow tech journalists and tech reporters, it's important to to know that there's always an opportunity to, to share knowledge and to just bring to our collective audiences some cool things that we run across. Um, and, of course, one of the things we've been talking about for the last year and a half or so is anti-social media. At least that's what I like to call it on the air. Uh, but more people these days than ever before are looking for alternatives to communication platforms, including things like texting. Uh, I've been a WhatsApp user for a long time, uh, but people are saying, yeah, but now we got privacy issues. And, and how do we know and what in your recent article uh, with uh, Mashable, how do we know where people can go otherwise? Yeah, well, there are a lot of alternatives out there to are the main big tech run social networks. Um you know, there's been a lot happening over the last year that has caused people to to kind of raise their awareness about who they're entrusting with their with their communications when they're talking to friends and family. But that's especially true if you're someone like an organizer or an activist, or uh, and you and you are scared about who might be um, either looking in on your conversations for. Um, like just uh, law enforcement reasons, or even if you just don't want to be part of someone's advertising budget. Yeah, which I think is is the biggest issue. We hear from so many in our audience, I'm sure your viewers, uh, your readers, the same thing, where it's like, my gosh, I was only talking to a buddy at the water cooler about a kayak, and then all of a sudden I get back to my desk and I'm flooded with kayak ads. How did that happen? You know, and that's whether you're saying something in an email or on an instant message program or otherwise – you're bombarded by all these things. And it, aside from being kind of creepy, uh, it's just yes. weird how technology serves that up. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, there are all, all tech companies say we don't listen to you for mm. purposes of advertising. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you say, oh, I was just talking about a kayak and then I got kayak ads, that's probably more coincidental. Hmm. But it's that more more of that comes from when the ways that you're showing your online behavior in ways that you might not even know about. For example, even if you don't, if you're looking at vacations, and even if your cursor, um, you know, ho- hovers over an image of a kayak or uh, words about a kayak, that's kind of data that you don't even know that you're feeding into the advertising ecosystem that will then be later targeted to you. Wow. And, of course, we've talked a lot about how if you're saying things like that near a smart speaker, air quotes all the time, uh, that it may be picking up on that as well, whether it's Alexa or Google Home or, or Siri or any number of things. It seems as though we've had so many people telling us, oh, they're absolutely convinced because that's the only place they talked about it with a coworker or somebody in the family. And then ads were popping up. So it, it's got to be more than coincidence many times. <laughs> 
Well, that's just all what we, that's what, what we know is from what the big tech companies have said. But yeah. really, that's the problem is that we, that's all we have to go on. And we don't really know how this big block, how this black box of collecting our consumer data um, is going into um, advertising systems for these big companies, which is why people are looking for more alternatives that put privacy first that um, aren't necessarily all about a bottom line um, and selling products to people. So it's people are looking for, um, are putting a little more thought into who they're trusting with their communications. And that's a good point, Rachel, because we're always reminding our audience that especially with big tech, let's face it, we're talking about Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. Uh, you are the product. And yeah. <laughs> it's you who are they are selling to their advertisers, and that's how they are making the money. One of the things that a lot of people who have used WhatsApp recently have, have seen is now all of your messages are encrypted. So from your perspective, what is encryption and why is it important? And is this something we want? Yeah, so encryption or um, more specifically end-to-end encryption is basically – a term that describes the level of security that your messages and phone calls and video chats get as they go from your device to the person you're speaking with's device. Um, End-to-end encryption is the highest level of encryption, and that's great. It means that no one, not even the company that is uh, handling the messages, can see those messages. Um, So, for example, WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted. However, what made people a little bit confused, but also rightly concerned is that WhatsApp recently put out a push notification telling its users, hey, we are looking at some of your data. Um, And that wasn't data about that is the content of people's messages at all. End-to-end encryption is strong in terms of the content, but what they are looking at is more metadata, usage statistics, um, you know, location information, stuff like that. And, of course, there seems to be no privacy complete anywhere under any circumstance for any reason, unless you literally unplug digitally altogether. And it's 2021. That's not uh, an appropriate or likely opportunity for most any of us. That's a good point. Really, the only way to completely secure yourself is to go in a cave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and don't even have a mailbox outside the cave because you're going to get spam mail anyway, you know, <laughs> snail mail. Um, what are some of the platforms that have been gaining a whole lot more popularity these days, especially in this Mashable article? Uh, and why do you think that is? Uh, so the there are a few platforms that have gaining been gaining popularity. One notable one is Signal. Signal was created um, in the early 2010s. Uh, by people who are really passionate about privacy. Um, it's run by a nonprofit organization. The way it came into being was through um, grants from a government organization whose purpose is to promote um, tools that support democracy around the world. Um, recently, it got an injection of cash, um, and it's been able to become a lot more robust uh, and in the tools and services that it offers. But the point is, is that it's run by a nonprofit, 
And it's not selling ads. It's not selling your data. Its sole mission is to be a secure messaging platform. So every text you send, every call you have, every even group, even group video message that you have is end-to-end encryption, which is again the highest level of highest level of encryption that you can have. And this, of course, as you mentioned, is Signal, and they even invented, as I understand it, the end-to-end encryption that WhatsApp and other companies are using. Yes, that's one of the great things about it is that they made their encryption protocols, which just basically means the um, the the way you actually do that encryption open source, which means anyone can use it. And that is what WhatsApp uses. Gotcha. What's your experience with another platform called Telegram? Telegram is different, and I would say mixed. Um, so the, the main difference is that messages on Telegram are not default end-to-end encrypted. Uh you can turn on end-to-end encryption. Uh, that's a setting called secret messages. Mm-hmm. But Telegram is also kind of different in the main way that it functions, which is that it's both a messaging platform where you can send messages to your friends or in a group chat, but it also kind of serves as a social media network because you can join channels, which are public-facing, or you can join groups, which are more private, and you need an invite link to join, Uh um, that can be filled with literally thousands of strangers. Um, And this is kind of great fun in some way, but it also is troublesome uh, for content moderation purposes because Telegram takes a very hands-off approach to moderating. In private spaces, it says it doesn't moderate content at all. And that has resulted in um, even groups like ISIS using this platform to communicate and spread their message, as well as um, sharing non-consensual pornography. So Telegram is kind of great if you use caution while you're using it and make sure to turn on end-to-end encryption. And another one in this Mashable article that you guys talk about uh, sounds like something from Mickey Mouse. It's called Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, Clubhouse is kind of still in an experimental phase it's only open it's only open to people who have been invited so far but it is really cool concept in that it's not about the written word which is what so much of our communications are you can basically join a clubhouse or a room where a couple people are hosting a conversation and you can listen to them if pe- if they can allow people to chime in if they turn on your microphone um, Elon Musk just gave a huge clubhouse talk last night where he interviewed the CEO of Robin Hood and really grilled him uh-huh. um, on everything that's happening there. But uh, like I said, it's only invitation. It's invitation only right now. So you'll kind of have to wait and see, although they have said they are expanding soon. Good. I I hope so. It sounds like a fascinating platform that many more people might want to be involved in. But now, Rachel, I'm wondering from your perspective, what should people look for uh, when choosing the best way to communicate with family and friends? Then there's there's so much more to choose. How does one know and where do they look? I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Uh, We have so many options when it comes to communication and uh, it really just depends on your priorities. So if what you want is a truly secure uh, messaging environment where you know that your data isn't going to be siphoned off for someone's advertising campaign, then I have to recommend Signal. Um, If you want to have um, that secure level of uh, end-to-end encryption messages, 
but maybe you want some more fun tools like backgrounds or more complicated sticker packs. Uh, maybe you want the ability to message with businesses, then WhatsApp is great for that. Although you just have to be aware that it is owned by Facebook. Yeah. Um, if you want a hybrid kind of messaging platform and social media network all in one place, then you can go for Telegram. But really, you just I would encourage everyone listening to just think about what it is you want. Think about what your priorities are, and then there should be something out there for you. And real quick, uh, all of our iPhone listeners and viewers that have upgraded to iOS 14.3, it'll show you all the ways that Facebook is tracking you uh, on all Apple devices. And uh, spoiler alert, Facebook does a ton of tracking. And apparently they're (laughs) not very happy with Apple that you can now do this. Oh, darn. I feel really sad for Mark and his company (laughs) that that (laughs) Apple's letting them know. Uh, Apple made a change to its app store that basically – gives gives a report to users when they're downloading an app. Here's all the data this app is collecting on you. <laughs> um, and obviously, yes, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg and co are not thrilled about this. They mm-hmm. Apple and um, Apple and Facebook are kind of in a public public uh, public relations war right now uh, over who has the moral high ground on privacy mm-hmm. uh, with each company claiming it yeah exactly. <laughs> um, whether each deserves it i guess is up is up to the individual and i think we've said many times over our 26 years on the air neither deserve it uh, but it's going to be it's fun for you and i as tech journalists to sit back and watch them duke it out and see what happens <laughs> yes definitely and hopefully some good changes and more options to privacy actually do come out of it yeah for sure in the one way or the other the maybe the art of negotiating or something who knows we'll who see knows? <laughs> mashable.com for more information rachel kraus tech reporter with mashable thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us we got to get you back always cool stuff keep us informed when you've got some other really neat consumer tech oriented things that you're chatting about and we'll get you back on the show definitely thank you for having me it's my pleasure don't go away there's much more as we bring you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-419-2335. That's 800-419-2335.
Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 26th year on the air, covering the latest in consumer tech today and into tomorrow. Glad to have you with us. If you've got any questions about anything either you hear on the show or need more information from one of our guest interviews or just have a question in general about consumer tech, we want to hear from you. And you can join us anytime at your convenience. doesn't have to be when you're hearing the broadcast on your favorite radio station or podcast or stream or however you hear us. Just anytime you've got a question, call in and win stuff. It's a cool mantra that we try to live by. So 800-899-INTO, anywhere toll-free from North America. Or, better yet, from anywhere in the world, use the Into Tomorrow app and the audio option. And you sound like you're right here in the studio with us. Either way, participate on Into Tomorrow. Our next guest joining us from New Zealand has developed the world's first AI system so you know you're sick before you know you're sick. That's pretty cool. The founder of Elarm Health is Paul O'Connor. Paul, welcome into tomorrow. Thanks for coming on. How are you, sir? I'm great, Dave. Um, yeah, we're, we're all good down here in New Zealand. We have, um, we've, we're still dealing with uh, coronavirus, obviously, but um, we've got the number of cases, community cases down to zero. So wow. that's amazing. Well, kudos to you guys. I wish we could say the same here in Miami or the States in general, but we're doing better. And having uh, survived the month in the hospital with the Rona, uh, I'm, I'm always encouraged when I hear people anywhere around the world that are doing better. And especially if you're down to zero cases from a community standpoint, boy, keep up the good work. Okay. Now it's summertime there, right? In New Zealand. It is. It yeah. is. So it's a little bit different to yeah. uh, the rest of, of the U.S., obviously, yeah. um, in winter, but uh, we're enjoying our summer. Very good, which is not uh, typically the flu season. Of course, now, as we've learned, COVID doesn't care what season it is. <laughs> it's just doing its thing. But part of what you are doing is, is rather unique, I think. Tell me a little bit about Elarm first, and then let's get into what you're doing specifically. Sure thing. So, look, as a little bit of a background, when... Um, COVID-19 was starting to, to take hold. Uh, we've got a, a analytics business um, called Datamine 65 staff. We looked at what we had and went, what can we do in this space? And um, we do a lot of AI. Um, we've got a health vault uh, where we've worked with some of our corporate customers to store DNA. And we'd worked with wearables um, before. So, you know, smartwatches, um, tracking people's health um, and enabling them to, to own their own information at we um, went, right, let's see if this is doable so that we can use that information that's coming off of the smartwatches to be able to build a model to, to detect early whether somebody has COVID-19 or not. Um, we did a lot of research in this space, um, so looked at papers, and there's now a number of, um, of other papers from uh, the likes of Stanford and uh, the Scripps Institute. Mm -hmm. um, that indicated that this might be possible. So is it only for COVID-19 at this point, what you've developed, or is it for determining any other illness that you might be able to gather info, as you mentioned, from smartwatches, because they can tell us a lot, but generally our heartbeat and steps and that sort of thing. So how do you then take that information and help us know before we may even be sick? Sure, there's multiple things in that. Um, one, you know, I've got a couple of, I've got an Apple Watch on and also an Aura ring on at the moment. We take that information and then we create a number of derived variables from that. Um, the, the system 
at this stage is tuned solely for COVID-19. It is the biggest problem in the world. Sure. You know, in the US, we've got four and a half thousand people dying every day. Terribly unfortunate, but good point. So anything that anyone can do to help spread, to help slow the spread and eliminate some of these deaths would certainly be beneficial. So tell us how Elarm works. Sure thing. So it takes that information. We derive a whole lot of variables from that. So the, the likes of sleep recovery, um, you know, exercise recovery. So if you go for a 20-minute a um, walk, how long does it take your heart to recover? Uh-huh. We identified early on um, with clinicians to begin with, what are those features um, that we'll be able to detect that um, will show that COVID-19 is starting to affect viral load on your body. Um, We've now built AI models off of actual cases that we've seen. So we are focused solely on COVID-19. We do pick up other viral loads, the likes of the flu, um, and a lot of clinicians are talking to us now about identifying or using smartwatches to identify other illnesses. That's terrific because so much has come out of the research for not only the vaccines, but what's, you know, what's effective and what works. I mean, when I was in the hospital, they were throwing everything at me. And I think they're still doing that to some degree with a lot of people. But we've learned a lot. And you talk about clinicians and, of course, you know, doctors, healthcare professionals in general finding out that, okay, well, this hasn't worked so much, this is working better, and to get more information, that seems to be the key. It's all about data, and then overall what the data can tell us. So I think what you guys are doing is terrific, and while it's helping for COVID-19 now, I'm I'm imagining it's opening the door for all kinds of things into tomorrow, if you will. That, that's right. So in the future, it'll be less about, you know, if you go to your Fitbit device or your, or your um, Apple Watch device or Samsung, it shows graphs, it shows trends, etc. But that's too much information for people to be able to digest. Yeah. So this is really that next step of being able to take all of it, all of that inf- in information, build personal, um, normal baselines, and then go. When are we starting to move outside those baselines? We get also people to tag. You know, if, if I eat too much today, or I have a couple of beers, that's going to affect my baseline. So we tag various information around that. Um, we've obviously got exercise from um, the smartwatches as well. Sure, and I think that's good too. That you're adding. You know, okay, I had a couple of beers. You know, it's not the end of the world, but make a note of it because we then will see how or if it affected you. Yep. And it does. Look, I, I, I noticed that um, some of my indicators, um, you know, my, my resting heart rate, if I have a couple of beers, will go up five to ten beats oh. um, over the next day. It is quite dramatic. I guess it, your body is saying, thanks so much. I needed that in a sense, but not in a good way. So it is important to know if there is something out of the ordinary that you have, are able to make a note of it then. How effective has it been so far? Uh, if we've got the smartwatch, we've sure. got the Fitbit. When we, when we build the the first models, um, that was what's called um, the Delphi modeling technique. It was around about 60% effective at being able to detect COVID-19 two to three days early. Mm-hmm. We're now over 80% um accuracy um of being able to detect that early and and back you know as you were saying there isn't going to be a silver bullet for um eliminating covid and and it is multiple um effective um tools that we've got to use you know masks the vaccine we've now got you know the the um brazilian um variant that is starting to resist uh vaccines yeah so 
this is going to be a complex and ongoing worldwide problem to try to reduce um, the infection, the number of infections of COVID-19 around the world. Some people don't want to take the vaccine. Um, there will need to be other mechanisms in place so that those people and their communities and families are protected. How soon can your Elarm system uh, suggest that the user might be suffering an infection? Uh, would we get an idea, sure. a little heads up? So, so um, if somebody has had their uh, wearable on for you know a week or they've already got one, then it can start to detect straight away. So it builds those baselines off of the information that it's got. If somebody goes out and buys a new um, wearable device, it takes two or three days to build up that baseline. Um, and after a week, it, it is, um, you know, 100% um, able to take that baseline and then compare it to any changes, Good. physiological, biological changes within within your body. So if we've already got a Fitbit or a smartwatch, something to gather uh, the basic info, we just then need the Elarm app on our smartphone Correct. in order to make this all work, right? Yep, you, you go to the Apple Store or your Google Play Store um, or elam.health um, website, and that guides you through um, connecting your wearable device to the Elam system. And then every four hours, it, it compares um, your current information to your baseline, runs the models, um, and then if you're starting to see elevated um, symptoms, um, then it'll give you a bit of an alert and say, hey, this isn't quite right. It then recommends CDC um, you know, guidelines in terms of what to do. Terrific. And of course, we're showing you a lot of these activities as well on the video that you can find at intotomorrow.com where we interview with Paul. And if you're listening on the radio, have no fear. Just visit intotomorrow.com and check out the video for Elarm. Uh, what's next then for you guys? Uh, I'm sure you're already planning uh, what's going to happen uh, you know, once we hopefully get back to whatever normal is and get past this COVID-19 nonsense, um, what are your plans into tomorrow? Well, in the future, it really is about um, being able to to use the Internet of Things, smartwatches, um, for people to be able to, to own their own information and be able to run models across that that enable them to see where there's some changes um, in their body, work out what to do next. Um, so whether that's an illness or, you know, not, um, not quite eating right, so personal, you know, dietary plans or exercise plans um, off of that to go, where can I improve my health? Terrific. Well, keep up the good work. It's uh, no doubt helping a lot of people. These are available now, right? The, uh, the app Correct. is available. And, it, uh, it, it's live right now. People can go and um, test it out on the app store, search for Elam or elam.health um, and get into it. Terrific. Well, Paul, we thank you very much for joining us, for spending a few minutes with us. Paul is the founder of Elarm Health, and Elarm.health is the domain, and we'll get you there, too, when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and, and keep us informed as you develop more and more and dig deeper and deeper into helping us, all of us, with our health. Will do. Thanks a lot, Dave. It's our Take pleasure, care. Paul, certainly. Elarm.health. Very easy to get to, and according, again, we'll get you there, too, when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline bringing you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. Don't go away. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? 
Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-510-0338-800-510-0338-800-510-0338. It's the Into Tomorrow Consumer Tech Radio Program. I just felt like trying to sound like an announcer in spite of my sore throat. It's your weekly uh, radio tech extravaganza. There you go. Yes. Your gas X for tech. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. If you'd like more info, text the word radio to 35000. There you go. Blood pressure, one of the most important predictors of health. But who has time to fumble with uncomfortable pressure cuffs? Well, with this week's Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute, Alfred Poor tells us more. Thanks, Dave. High blood pressure is often referred to as the silent killer. Hypertension can lead to heart attacks and strokes, but it can also be a precursor for heart failure, aneurysms, kidney disease, and even some forms of dementia. An occasional sap shop reading in the doctor's office once or twice a year isn't adequate. According to the American Heart Association, most people should check their blood pressure at home once a week. Take three readings and average the results. But fumbling with pressure cuffs on the upper arm can be inconvenient, and some people don't like the squeeze when these devices apply pressure. A Canadian company, Neurologics, has created the Anura app that measures your blood pressure simply by taking a 30-second selfie with your smartphone, either Apple or Android. The free app also measures your heart and breathing rates, and tracks them so you can see your trends over time. This convenient app means that you can quickly check your blood pressure anytime, anywhere. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Alfred Poor. Back to you, Dave. Well, thank you, Alfred. i got to say, though, some people do like the squeeze. But from Alfred, I, I like he's... a good squeeze. Well, once in a while, a good squeeze is helpful. <laughs> uh, Alfred Poor, of course, is our health tech insider, and we're always delighted to get his input each and every week right here on the program, Mark in Tupelo, Mississippi, listens on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Mark. I purchased an older car that does not have a backup camera. I would like to install one. I have no clue what kind or how they began. Well, see, Mark, what you do is you get the wife out back, and she just says, Mom, back. Mom, back. Okay, stop. So th- that works for some people. Uh-huh. Maybe you don't have the wife, though. If you're like me, that's well. If you have the wife and you have her go out there and make mom back, you may not have the wife much longer. Well, that's true. (laughs) So, okay, then forget that part. But I think your first step will be deciding how committed you are to the camera, and that will, of course, help narrow your options down a little bit. One obvious aspect is that deciding how much money you want to spend. But beyond that, there's also the pain of the installation itself. You can find solar-powered wireless cameras that output video either to their own monitors or via Wi-Fi to your phone. 
Those are super, super easy to install. Basically, just mount them using the same screws and that are holding your license plate, and you're good to go. Yeah, now, there are some downsides to them, though. They tend to be slower to connect. Some require you to connect your phone to them before you can see the video, which is obviously a problem when you're just trying to quickly park and be done with it. And the ones that use a solar panel are great in that they don't usually need to be plugged in to recharge, but if you keep your car in a garage a lot, they may lose that edge, and then they may be harder to recharge since okay. they're not meant to be plugged in very often. Yeah, good point. <laughs> now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have the fully wired cameras. Those take power from the car, so there's no recharging. They connect right away, since they're always fully powered and physically connected to their screens, and generally work a little bit more like the cameras that come built in by the factory. And uh, devil's advocate here, you know, the downside of those is that you'll need a pretty involved install. Uh, your camera will be mounted on the outside and the back of the car. The driver will be on the inside towards the front. So that whole distance needs to be wired. And that means taking an awful lot of stuff apart to hide those wires. So if you don't mind the cost and higher risk of something rattling afterwards, and those cameras are good, though. Yeah. And again, more expensive, but Good. And once again, it gives us an opportunity to talk about promoting the local 12-volt businesses because they'll have a variety of things to choose from. And they can show you how they work and tell you how much it would cost to install and whether or not it's something you want to take on your own or have them do. But they can certainly help you through that and you can touch and feel the things and see what you like. But yeah, I, I agree that ones that have to wait for your phone and then connect, it's like, my gosh, I could have backed out 10 times by now. So that's not as feasible. Very inexpensive, but not as feasible for most people. Yeah, and luckily, this is only an issue with older cars because I believe it's been for like the last 10 years or so. Any new car must have a backup camera installed oh, yeah. anyway. And and I don't have that crick in my neck anymore that I used to have when I had to turn around to go see what I'm backing up. I just watch the camera. I still turn around, but that's just habit. Now you just like the crick in your neck. Yeah. He likes it all the way into tomorrow, by the way. Now you can make your home look great and save money. Right now, when you call Renewal by Anderson, you can buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Plus, you get 12 months with no interest, no money down, and no payments. Upgrade your home. Buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Installation and warranty are even included. And the Renewal by Anderson certified retailers take every safety precaution to protect you and your family. Hey, for 25 years... People have trusted Renewal by Anderson for their window replacement needs, and you can too. So call right now. Don't wait. Learn how to get your free window when you buy four. 800-296-1440. 800-296-1440. Again, that's 800-296-1440. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details. Here's another fun into tomorrow tech tidbit for you. There were two AI chatbots created by Facebook to talk to each other, but they were shut down after they started communicating with each other in a language that they made for themselves. Do, 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 but no, do, do, Facebook shouldn't worry you at all. No, not at all. Nor should robots taking over the world yeah. worry you either. Yeah, But that's scary. 
Hmm. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys.com, providing the 24-7 stream of Into Tomorrow all day, all night at IntoTomorrow.com and our free Into Tomorrow app. You didn't sound too sure. Yeah, I had to think about that oh, for a second. Okay, very yeah. good. We need more of these tech tidbits, though, because some of them are just like, what? Uh-huh. I find them fascinating. So would you have your department work on that? Sure. Okay, yeah, great. Cassandra in Greenville, Tennessee, listens online, and we love you for it, calling in using the Into Tomorrow app. I'm going to start homeschooling my newly kindergarten next year, and oh. I was wondering what laptop, just a basic, nothing expensive, is the best laptop to start out with a homeschooler? Well, Cassandra, normally we would say it depends on the curriculum, but given that you're talking about kindergarten, just about anything should do in that sense. Nothing a child that young will need can really tax any modern computer. We would look into a relatively inexpensive Chromebook. There are rugged models made specifically for young children, and there are reasonably priced ones that turn into tablets that can stand on their own as well. You know, a tablet is another potentially good choice. There are also ruggedized tablets that can take some abuse from a young child without suffering any significant damage. Ooh, the Panasonic A3, for example, that can handle all kinds of abuse. A little expensive for a child, but look at it. Yeah. Now, at that age, they probably won't need the computer too much, so we just go cheap. There are plenty of Chromebooks for around 200 bucks from just about every Every major brand you can think of, from Asus to Acer to Dell, and any of them will probably do the trick for a child that young. Yeah, there you go. And I do mention the Panasonic A3. We use it all the time, every day here in our studios, and it gets dropped. We pass it off from one person to another, and it handles the abuse. Again, a little expensive maybe for the kindergartner, but if money's not an object, must be nice, look into that. Well, it can take the abuse of a kid throwing it around. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Check things out at intotomorrow.com.